60,000 is brought to you in part by RP Funding. RP Funding Inc. is licensed and can offer loans in Alabama, Arkansas, Florida, Kentucky, Louisiana, North Carolina, Ohio, Oklahoma, South Carolina, Tennessee, Texas, Virginia, and West Virginia, and is also licensed by the Mississippi Department of Banking and Consumer Finance and by the Pennsylvania Department of Banking and Securities. Office is located at 500 Wonderly Place, Suite 300, Maitland, Florida, 32751. Telephone 321-397-4420. RP Funding Nationwide Mortgage Licensing System ID number is 70168, and Robert Palmer's NMLS ID number is 76197. We are saving thousands with Robert Palmer, and we're doing it right here on the Saving Thousands Radio Network. You know, I started the show a few days ago talking about the fact that as we go through our lives, think of your own life. Think about the fact that you came up with a great family, hopefully, and you learned a lot about life. You learned a lot of life's lessons, but mom and dad were always there or one of the two of them or whoever was raising you was kind of taking charge. They put a roof over your head. They gave you some spending money. They bought your clothes. They helped you with your books. Um, they were just kind of there to make sure you had the essentials. You know, you had your food, you had you had your sleeping quarters, and along the way somewhere you might even have got a car. But as you went through school and the school was teaching you life skills and educating you in math and science and English, we missed something along the way. Nobody was there to sit us down and talk about everyday money. Oh, we were all forced to take some sort of wild concocted economics course. But what did that economics course have to do with today's money? You know, we're not talking about world trade here. When you listen to Saving Thousands with Robert Palmer, you're listening to a person who has been very successful in business. But all during that success, he has seen that most of the people that he has helped along the way needed that help because they never got the financial rules they never got a financial guide, and there was never anything in our schools or our college or even after college that was right there, a resource for us to grab onto and say, I need this to help me with my money. Well, that's what this show's all about. It's called Saving Thousands with Robert Palmer. We take the mystery out of it. We take the intimidation out of it, and we're here for you. Well, Robert, I want to talk about a lot of people get really, really high up in debt because of credit cards and other high-interest debt. So let's kick off today's show with helping people get out of that debt. Maybe they've got a home, maybe they've got some equity, and maybe they'll use one of your refi offers to get some really cool, empowering placement in their money. What are we talking about? Yeah, well, well, yeah, what we've seen, Rob, is people are actually, if people have a substantial amount of credit card debt, uh, they can cash out their mortgage, they can include that in there, and they can actually drop the term of their mortgage because they can afford to pay so much more toward the mortgage. Because if you're really? paying, yeah. think about this, if you're paying five or 600 bucks a month toward credit cards, right? And so, and that's a lot, but there are people that pay five or $600 a month toward credit there cards. Yes, and so if you have enough equity in your home and we refinance your home and we pay off all those credit cards and you do the smart financial thing, which is take that same five to $600 a month and now apply it toward the mortgage balance, you'll end up paying your mortgage off in half the time because the interest isn't $560 a month. It was on the credit cards at 29%, mm -hmm. but over here on a mortgage at 4% or less, it's not. And so, but if you, if wow. as a disciplined consumer, if you take all that money you used to give to the credit card companies and you discipline and you give it to the mortgage company, you can own your home free and clear in like half the time. I mean, it, it's crazy Ooh. how quick, when, once you get that interest monkey off your back, once you get that interest blood-sucking vampire out of your neck, uh, how quick you can start to retire your debt, right? Mm -hmm. Because there's a huge difference between 29% interest on a credit card and 4% interest on a mortgage. And, and this is what we have wow. to understand. And this is why the credit card companies do everything they can to hide the amount of interest you are paying, mm -hmm. right? Because again, where 29% doesn't, eh, 29%, I don't know. I, I used to get like 89% on my scores, you know, my test scores in high school and, uh, you know, and 29%, and that's, that's, I guess that's, is that a big number? Is that a low number? It seems like a low number, 100%, that's a big number. 29%, like that's, mm -hmm. that's a small, I guess that's a small, right? We just, we don't have a, a perception of how much it costs us. And when they have to show us the dollars and cents, we get smart. And they don't want us getting smart. And you you were saying in a broadcast recently that they really plant the seed early. Okay, a rite of passage. You leave high school and you go to the big college. And all of a sudden, as Robert said a few episodes ago, you see a beautiful tent sitting in the campus by the student union. And there is a knockdown, drag out, gorgeous blonde or brunette. And she is handing out applications usually about a five-line application for you to get your very first student credit card. And so you're starting early. And how many of you have a memory of charging that thing up in about the first 35 days? Because you had all this extra money in your pocket, and they catch you early. 
because it's part of that rite of passage. I'm living by myself now. I'm not answering to my parents now. I'm in college. I get my own credit card. Yep. And look, Rob, I, I am not a proponent. I am not an advocate of not having any debt. Sure. You know, I think we have to have credit cards. Mm -hmm. you know, I think that the way society is built today, uh, we have to have credit. We have to have credit cards. I think we, there are times we have to have car loans. There are times when dealers and car dealerships and manufacturers will run specials where taking the 0% interest deal is better than taking the rebates. Mm -hmm. You know, so we can't be afraid of debt. We can't take this attitude that we're not going to owe anybody a dime. Because it really doesn't make good financial sense. Right. But there is, a, there, there, there is an alternative to that. You have to be smart about it. You have to be making the right decisions. If you're going to have a credit card with a 29% interest rate, that's great. You've got to pay the balance in full before the grace period ends, before the interest ever starts to accrue. And if you can do that, then there is no downside to having a credit card. There's actually positives. There's mileage. There's points. You know, there's discounts. There are things you can do. So the true powerful consumer in today's world is not the person who says, I have zero debt. It's the person who has the right kind of debt and becomes the master of that debt. Mm -hmm. And by the master of that debt, if you're going to put something on your credit card, you know you have enough money in the bank that you could pay it off. So let's look at this. So you say, okay, person A says, well, I'm just going to pay cash, right? I, it's easier. It is easier. You know, it, you can't get into trouble. You can't mess up if you're paying cash. Right. So you just pay cash and it's a hundred dollar item. I just pay cash. And it's 100 bucks and I'm done. And then person B, they put that $100 item on their American Express card and they get a couple points, right? Or they get a couple rewards dollars. They get a couple of frequent flyer miles or whatever it is you do with it. And, uh, and then they systematically, the day the grace period ends and the day the interest would start to accrue, they then send in the $100, okay? Both people are only out the exact same $100. Right. Neither one of them has paid a dime of interest, right? Neither one of them has done any of that. Now, I will tell you, I, in my opinion, person B, who used the credit card, did the smarter transaction mm -hmm. because they got the mileage. They have better records, right? That's one of the great things about credit cards. That's true. When you buy things with cash, there you don't have records. Some of our credit cards uh, offer extended warranties. Like, you know, there, there are ways to use credit cards to your benefit. And, and as a warrior, as a powerful consumer, right, you use these, you take advantage of these, but you do it correctly. And you make sure that no matter what happens in your life, the day the grace period ends, the day the interest would cl the clock would start, the day the interest would start to accrue, you pay that off. And that is the smart consumer. That is the powerful consumer, right? Mm -hmm. You've got the people that have said, I, I'm not disciplined enough to do that, so I'm just gonna I'm gonna square off credit altogether. Oh, no. Right? But then you've got people that say, you know what, I see an opportunity here. I see an opportunity to beat the system, to take advantage of the credit companies by using them to my benefit, by turning the tables, right? By using technique on the credit card companies. They've been gaming us for years. Well, guess what? We can turn around and we can game them because they think we are so stupid, Rob. They really do. They think we are so mm -hmm. stupid that they leave these opportunities open. If you use the credit card correctly, you can cost them a lot of money because you're getting <laughs> your free perks and you're getting your miles and you're getting your warranties and you get all the wonderful things that come with it. And then you never pay them a dime in interest because you know how to beat the system. You know how mm -hmm. to pay the credit card off at the right point in time so you get all the benefits with none of the costs, and that is today's powerful consumer. Well, folks, it may seem simple, but you're already on your way to financial empowerment. You just took your first step. If you just joined our programs, we're on many stations. Matter of fact, over 80 stations every week. Some of those stations carry us every day, some once a week some twice a day. You just never know. But if you go to savingthousands.com, right along the top, you'll see station listings is one of the tabs. Click on that and you'll see what stations are carrying Robert Palmer, what day, what time. Also, if you go to iHeart, do you have iHeart? Well, if you have iHeart on your smart devices, you can simply go to iHeart and up there where you see the search engine, put in the name Robert Palmer, Robert Palmer, and you can get financial empowerment and give further ahead 24 hours a day. So we're going to be talking also on today's show about junk fees, why they're charged by many companies, but Robert Palmer does not charge them. We're going to talk about the dangers of maximizing financial student loans. Robert will explain Fannie, Freddie, Ginny, and USDA. They're in the news a lot, but what do they actually do that has to do with you and me and our mortgages? Very important, actually. ETFs. Are they a great place to put your money, exchange-traded funds? Let's get Robert's take on that. And we'll talk to Robert about the real truth when it comes to multiple credit pulls when you're shopping for a mortgage. Some mortgage companies will warn you, 
Don't shop around on your mortgage. Every time you pull your credit, it hurts your score. Well, let's find out the real truth behind that. Okay. Well, Robert, when I opened the show today, I did my best in explaining why we're on the air, what we're trying to do by empowering consumers. Can you expand on that? And, uh, you know, Robert, my goal with this show, and we've really mm-hmm. talked about this a lot, you know, what what was the goal? And, and I will tell you, the goal has changed. You know, okay. I mean, in the beginning, I really just wanted to come out here and, I guess, expose everything that was wrong with our industry. Mm-hmm. And, and now it's really more about empowering consumers. And I, I really want to give people a framework and give people you know, a good set of rules and guidelines that they can use to be smarter consumers and that they can make sure they always shop around and to not be afraid of credit. You know, I think that's one of the, that's one of the, I guess the, the kind of missing messages is as I've, as I've exposed the secrets, a lot of people say, well, oh my God, this is so terrible. I should just stay, I should just stay away from credit. I should be afraid of credit. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that, that's not it. And so, you know, I, I kind of want to tell a story personally of, I, I personally use a lot of credit. You know, I, I use, and when I say use, I mean use, like I use them, you know, it, it's not, it's not because I need the credit. It's because I want to take advantage of the credit. You know, I want to take advantage of the bank because there are a lot of things you can you can do. And so to give you an example, you know, I, I got married last November right. and I got engaged a year ago uh, in May. And, uh, and so when I bought my wife's engagement ring, I financed it because they offered me 12 months, no interest. Nothing right? wrong with that. And so, you know, uh, an engagement ring is a decent little... Purchase. What, what do they say, Rob? What, is it supposed to spend like two months of your salary on an engagement ring? I do you, believe it's two months to three months. Two, yeah. to, two to three months of your salary. All right. So we'll, we'll say, so the average person out there, you know, that's making $60,000, $70,000 a year is is putting fifteen dollars to $20,000 into an engagement ring. Yeah. Right? I mean, that's, so if you take, so so if you take that fifteen or 20000 and let's say you're afraid of credit, you know, there's people who say, you know what, I'm just not going to have any credit. I'm not going to borrow. Maybe you have bad credit, so it's forced you down that path. But uh, let's say you're going to buy a, a $20,000 engagement ring, three months of your salary, and you make, you know, right at $70,000 a year or whatever, like as an example. So you take that $20,000, and if the, the jewelry company is willing to give you 12 months of no interest, all right, well, that means that $20,000 is free to you for the next 12 months, mm-hmm. right? So what I want people to, to think about is, so person A walks into that jewelry store, and they take $20,000 out of their savings account, and they buy the ring cash, and they walk out, and they're done, okay? Person B walks in takes advantage of the, tw- and this is what I did, takes advantage of the the credit from the store with 12 months of no interest. Mm-hmm. And then they take that $20,000 from their savings account, Rob, and they invest it in the stock market, right? And I'm not saying get crazy. I'm not saying pick right. stocks. Like just put it into a nice solid mutual fund. And the return you would have seen is going to be around three to $4,000 over the last 12 months. And and so then at the end, it's time, all right, we got to pay off our our thing. So we we sell those $20,000 with stocks and now the 12 months of interest free is up. So we want to pay this thing off. Mm-hmm. But- there was an opportunity to make money there. And if you're afraid of credit, you know, if, if you take up a mantra in life that you're never going to use credit, you can't take advantage of those types of opportunities. Here was an opportunity to make two or $3,000, maybe $4,000, depending on which stocks you invested in, which mutual funds you picked. The market did really great over the last 12 months. Sure did. I mean, it did. You know, it, it, was, it was a great time. And so having that $20,000 for an engagement ring interest-free meant that $20,000 was now freed up to do something else. But to take advantage of these types of situations, you've got to have good credit. You've got to understand credit. You've got to know how the system works. And this is what I want to empower people to do. This is what I want to teach our listeners how to do so they can identify these types of opportunities. Identify the opportunities where credit is a good idea, not mm-hmm. not to be afraid of it. You know, uh, most of RP funding's bills I put on my American Express. And I mean, we obviously spend a lot more than the average person would because all of our a lot of our advertising, a lot of our, our bills go on the American Express. But I mean, any small business owner, anyone in their life, you can build up pretty quick points, you know, and those points turn into a nice vacation at the end of the sure year. Sure do. So just by, by you know, cruises. You know, Rob, you're a big cruiser. I do, you I know? do. And, and, and you can definitely, you can get a couple free cruises a year by using credit correctly. That's right. You know, get the points, pay the thing off. And so that's really what I'm here to do. I want to teach people how to utilize leverage and utilize credit because in a lot of ways, credit is what built this country. You know, if you look mm-hmm. at why we grew as fast as we did and you look at some other countries and how they do not grow as quickly, it, a lot of it has to do with the credit mentality. And while the financial services industries have taken advantage of this and they've turned it into a bad thing and they're so bent on taking advantage of people, if we as consumers are educated enough and strong enough and dedicated enough and committed enough to a plan to use credit correctly, we can really take advantage of the system and we can pick up a lot of nice perks and a lot of opportunities to make money, a lot of opportunities to save money while using credit to our benefit instead of letting the big credit companies use credit to their benefit at our expense. Well, if you've been going up and down the dial and all of a sudden you heard Robert Palmer talk about saving thousands, talking about financial strategies, 
the tools of getting on top of your money, well, you've tuned in to a program that we call SavingThousands.com. We have a steady listenership, and we hope that you'll join the club. And there's no cost. There's no initiation. All you have to do is want to save money. All you have to do is want to take charge of your money. You know, the nervousness that you feel is kind of like going to the dentist office. It's, you know, sorry, dentist, but it's kind of that nervousness you feel when you go apply for a loan or you even apply for a credit card or whatever you're doing financially. Some people get really uptight about it. I know people that get uptight when they call their bank and ask for their balance or they're trying to find the balance on their smartphone on the app that their bank set up. I mean, there's no reason to be intimidated by money if we control it. And Robert gives you the tools to control it. And a lot of those tools are found in the radio show and they're expanded on the web. So Robert has put together the savingthousands.com site, absolutely free, no membership, no subscriptions. There's hundreds of hours of audio that you can play on demand by topic. There's hundreds of articles that can help you go through the maze of money. There is so much on there, including the Saving Thousands Rules to Success. And I love the rules to success because if you don't know much about money and you're intimidated and you don't know where to turn and you always say to your friends, I wish there was somewhere I could go just to get maybe a list of rules, like the Ten Commandments, the rules when it comes to my money. Well, all right. If you go to the savingthousands.com, click on the tab that says the rules, and you can read all 15 of the rules. And once you read those rules, you'll see how they can affect your life. And starting right now, this hour, you can start getting empowerment. You can be saving thousands with Robert Palmer. Well, Robert, it was about nine years ago that we first met. And you were new to the mortgage industry in a way of owning your own company. You had worked in the industry, but I remember you saying that you had just started your own company. And I was thinking to myself that this was nine years ago. We were in the depth of the real estate crash. And I'm thinking to myself, this is not a good time to spend a lot of money on the radio when the real estate crash is really taking down our economy. And you were so positive. You were so empowering and you knew where you wanted to go. And then you told me this, you said, and my new company is going to be revolutionary. I'm not going to charge any lender fees. Well, I thought you were crazy. And an awful lot of other people did too, my friend. Yeah, they all thought I was crazy. Yeah, yeah. It was this whole idea that in the mortgage business, you have to take advantage of people and you can't be transparent. You have to charge all these stupid fees, even though we call them junk fees and every company just makes them up. Mm -hmm. Like there's no, it's like when you look at the normal like mortgage closing costs, you've got like doc stamps on the deed. Those are set by the state of Florida. You know, they're, they're set in stone. They're a set amount. There's title insurance. Those rates are set. They're called promulgated rates. They're set by the state insurance commission. You know, a, a survey is usually about the same money from different surveyors. Mm-hmm. The appraisal cost is like three fifty to $400. They're pretty standard. And then you would get into the lender fees, the junk fees, and they would yeah. just make up numbers. Like, oh, underwriting, $900. Mm-hmm. When this guy over here is like, underwriting's $200. And what's the actual cost of underwriting? Nowhere near that. Oh, processing, that's $400. You know, just all these crazy fees. Mm-hmm. And then there's origination fees and mortgage broker fees. And what these are is they are fat. They are excess profit for the mortgage loan originator. And one of the reasons these mortgage loan originators need the excess profit is because they aren't actually the lender and they're not actually the servicer. And all they can do is make money by charging you fees up front, right? Where we as a lender and a servicer, we have the option, I can keep your loan and I can make a quarter point a year on it for the rest of your life. I can securitize your loan and then transfer the servicing in bulk. I can securitize your loan and keep the servicing. I can sell your loan to somebody else and let them securitize it. I have a lot of options. And so all of these options allow us to get more, you know, have more revenue per loan. Mm-hmm. And so that means we don't have to charge the fees. And that's really what the key to this is. The fees are just, they're excess, they're glut, they're, they're, they're pure profit. And the other reason a lot of companies have to charge fees is because they pay too high of commission to their salespeople. So what happens, Rob, is in most cases, the, the salesperson is completely responsible for going out and finding the business, right? right? No one's ever heard of this mortgage company. No one's ever called this mortgage company and asked for a home loan. No one knows who they are. And so they hire a salesperson and they say, go find mortgage loans. And, and so what happens is this salesperson now has to go out and prospect and they go meet with, with real estate agents and they meet with attorneys and they meet with financial planners and you know they meet with their sphere of influence, sure. their cousins and uncles and aunts and nephews, and then they bring those loans into the mortgage company. Well, what happens is if that salesperson goes to another mortgage company, all of those people and relationships go with them. And so what happens is mortgage companies get in these bidding wars trying to attract these, these salespeople to leave where they are, leave mortgage company A and go to mortgage company B and bring all your clients with you. 
And so what happens is the way you attract that is you pay higher and a higher and a higher commission. Well, none of these companies want to bear the cost of that commission. So what they do is they raise their fees and they raise their rates in order to cover the ridiculous commission they're offering this salesperson mm -hmm. to get them to jump ship from mortgage company A to mortgage company B. I built a totally different model. Here, we take on the burden of making the phone ring. You know, we go out to the consumer with a great product, no lender fees, easy on-time process, and I go talk about it on radio, and I talk about it on TV, and I put it on billboards, and I put it in your mailbox. And so when you call here, you're doing business with RP Funding, not just the salesperson. And so my, my sales commissions are nothing. I mean, we pay a base salary and a bonus. We don't even pay traditional commissions. Mm -hmm. So where my competitor may be paying on a $200,000 loan, they're paying a $4,000 or $5,000 commission. I'm paying $600 in total salesperson compensation in between salary and bonus, right? Who can give you a better deal? The guy mm -hmm. who's paying four to 5000 to the salesperson or the guy who's paying an average of 600 to the salesperson? And the funny thing is my salespeople actually make more money at the end of the year because they make it up in volume. Mm -hmm. So I've been able to attract the best of the best. Uh, some of the best, the best mortgage loan originators in Central Florida work for me for way less per transaction because they get to make it up in volume. At the end of the year, they know their W-2 says more than the competitor, but that lets me give better deals to the consumer. I mean, it just works. It's such an easy system, but I still have people that look at me skeptically like, well, where are the fees? Well, how do you make money? <laughs> I don't I'm know. like, I, I make money by not overpaying commission because we're not desperate for that business. The competitor is desperate. He doesn't know how to make his phone ring. He doesn't know where his next client is coming from. The only thing he knows how to do to get more business is go offer salespeople higher commissions. Well, if the only way you can grow your business is by paying higher and higher commissions, what happens? You have to raise your cost. You have to mm -hmm. raise your price. You can't give the consumer the same deal as I can because you pay too dang much in commission. It's that easy. It's that simple. And, and people still are skeptical about it. So whatever. That's how we do it. We don't charge fees. We give you a great deal. That's what RP Funding is all about. If you're buying a home, if you're refinancing, whatever you're doing, give us a call right now, 855-773-8634. That's 855-RP-Funding, 855-773-8634, or visit us on the web at rpfunding.com. You know, earlier in the show, I spoke of some of the websites that Robert and his company have created to further empower you. We talked about savingthousands.com. We have also added a state of eyes. A state of eyes is a great, great website because it looks into the real estate industry as some of the younger population would. We know that a lot of millennials saw their parents very much challenged during the housing crunch. Some folks lost their homes. Most people lost their value, their equity in their homes. And therefore they got kind of a sour taste, but the economy has rebounded. There have been changes from the government, from the industry, even from within that are making things much better in the housing industry. And as you look at real estate over the course of this nation, real estate has had a few bumps along the way, but it has always been a great investment. So a state of eyes. All right. You want to look that up in your search engine. The next one is real prospector. Real prospector kind of gives you an insider's look at the real estate industry. I recently did an interview with one of the top real estate agents in all of the Southeast. And we discussed the role of the real estate agent, the real estate broker, the banks, the mortgage company, the everybody involved, the appraiser, the inspector. We talked about all that so you can get a much better understanding of the buying and selling process. So savingthousands.com, a state of eyes, and of course, real prospector. And of course, if you wanna go on the radio side of things, you can always listen to savingthousands.com 24 hours a day on iHeart. And you can even download, I don't think I've mentioned this today, Robert. They can now download the Saving Thousands app. Great new service from you, Robert Palmer. The Saving Thousands app is a free app from your Play Store on your smartphone. You simply bring up that app and anytime you hit it, you will be able to select from shows that are in our archives, playing them on demand. So that makes a great, great deal. Well, years ago, Robert, on this very show, you forecast the student loan crisis. Recently, our papers, the internet, radio news has all been saying there is a major financial collapse in the student loan industry. And there's a lot of tricks being had, and there's a lot of problems for people taking out that. And one of the original conversations we had about that, Robert, was that the money is so easy. And these young people look at this great pot of gold sitting in front of them and it's kind of sold to them, and they're not really looking at the long run, right? Most most kids will take however much student loans they are approved for. 
Right? Well, you think that's a fair statement, Rob? Oh, I think it's a very you know, fair statement. It, 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 I want to live in a world where they say, "Well, I don't need that much. I'm going to live on campus. I'm going to I'm going to work at night because every dollar that I take from that student loan company is going to cost me four bucks or five bucks by the time I pay it back. At where I can go get a little job and make some money at night, or you know that that apartment rent being a thousand dollars a month versus a couple hundred bucks a month to live on campus is going to end up costing me five thousand dollars a month by the time I pay it back with all the interest. Because while student loans have very low payments, uh, they have pretty crappy interest rates. <laughs> and because they have such low payments, they have very long terms. I mean, you will pay on student loans for 20 years, in some, oh, I mean, longer, longer in some gosh. cases. And, and so, you know, you're talking about double, tripling, quadrupling, maybe even more, the, those dollars. And so, again, it's like, oh, I, I got approved for all the student loans. I have all this money now. You know, Rob, I've had people try to use excess student loan money for down payments on houses. Are you kidding? You know, me? And, and we won't, you know, we we won't let you do that. You can't use borrowed <laughs> funds for down payment. We've had people try, you know, and it's like, look, don't take the money. I mean, just because you have the credit card doesn't mean you have to go max it out. Just because you got approval for that much in student loans doesn't mean you have to spend it all. You know, turn around and send it back. Make a lump sum payment with it. Do whatever you want to do. Don't take it at all. Um, but but make better financial decisions. I mean, you're basically letting the financial the student loan company dictate to you how much money you're going to borrow and how much money you have to pay them back. Uh, versus you making a good decision. And all this comes from that lack of financial literacy, that lack of understanding, the lack of discussion uh, for kids leading in. You know, we, we are there to help our kids learn how to ride a bike. We are there to help our kids learn how to swim. You know, we're, I mean, imagine that, Rob. If, if, we, if we never taught our kid how to ride a bike, never taught them how to swim, and then all of a sudden they get off to college and somebody throws them in a pool and they're just supposed to figure it out, it's going to be ugly. You know, oh, yeah. and, and I'd rather have that ugly at home under, under my watch, you know, with the family. And the way to do that is to have these conversations, is to open up, it's to talk about the realities of, of finance, it's to share the personal stories, you know, and if you don't want to share your personal stories, you get enough of them from me here on the radio, share my personal stories, <laughs> you know, I mean, the, 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 there's plenty of ways to get this, to start these conversations with your kids. Um, so that, that's the article, Rob, it's on uh -huh. savingthousands.com. You know, you know, we're going to add the audio of this clip on there as well, uh, but really parents have got to understand that, that, you know, your bad financial habits, your lack of wanting to share with your kids, your lack of explaining uh, is doing them a huge disservice. You know, you may think you're protecting them. See, I, I think we, we realize how much stress uh, that, that money causes in our lives, right? I mean, look at, uh, for, for people that are in any type of financial trouble, have mounting credit card debt, struggle to pay their bills, it is a, a super stress in our lives, right? And so I think the, the thought process is, well, I want to protect my kid from that. I'm going to hide it from them. I don't want them to deal to stress about it. Well, one, they're not going to stress about it in the same way you do because it's not their responsibility. Uh, but then two, it's really going to help them understand what you're going through. Uh, you know, when parents are stressed about, I could tell with my mom. I mean, when she was stressed about money, when things were tight, I could absolutely tell her mood was different. Things changed. And again, I was lucky enough that I, I got to understand why. Where a lot of kids don't was, is it our mom and dad fighting? Do they not like each other? Are they getting a divorce? Right? I mean, what what are kids' reference points? You know, most kids don't know that the financial stress even exists. So when they see mom and dad are stressed out, they're going to start thinking divorce or other problems because that's what they see on TV and they hear from kids at school, you know, where in reality it may just be that mom and dad have a little too much credit card debt, you know, and, and to understand that and, and to recognize that. And that'll put a little fear in, in, kids, uh, in kids' lives when it comes to getting credit cards. I, I see that with mortgages, Rob. A lot of people in the end, you know, when people lost their houses, kids figured it out. You know, and, and parents kind of hit a breaking point where, you know, we see when we talk to people, they, they would hide it from the kids, hide it from the kids. But then ultimately, when you lose the house, you can't hide it from the kids anymore. And so a lot of kids ultimately find, figure out that mom and dad had a lot of stress because they couldn't afford to pay their mortgage. Right. And, and this makes kids not want to buy houses. Well, if they know that having credit card debt or student loan debt caused mom and dad to have a lot of stress and some problems, then that may make them a little more weary of student loan debt and credit cards, which would be a good thing, right? Where them being weary of buying a house is really a bad thing because now we're pushing off their ability to accumulate equity and to have ownership and to start moving in that direction. And so again, we, we've, just, we've got to make better choices of what we're going to share, uh, use our life experiences. There is, your children will learn from you in no better way than, than you sharing your life experiences. I mean, I, you know, I, stories from my mom and dad about mistakes they made growing up. Again, most of them not financial. And I think most kids, I think, I think we all have these, right, Rob? I mean, I think you can, any of us can think back on stories our parents tell us about mistakes they made, you know, maybe 
about reckless driving or alcohol or drugs or whatever it is. And, and, and parents use their life lessons to help teach us and shape our, you know, kind of morals and shape our guiding principles, but we're not doing it with personal finance. Well, keep tuned to the Saving Thousands show because as Robert and his staff research these student loans and the fact that some of you may very well have some recourse, especially in those for-profit colleges, maybe you'll get some of your money back. All right. So stay tuned to savingthousands.com. Something we all know, the American dream includes a three bedroom, two bath house in the suburbs, at least for most of us. Most people see themselves eventually getting out of the burdens of being a renter and knowing that each and every dollar they spend every month isn't going toward anything but the wealth of the landlord. And people want to be able to put up a swing set in their backyard or maybe even have a pool or maybe a place for their kids to play, a house where they can put a nail in the wall and hang a picture, or maybe change the carpets or paint a wall without asking somebody. Because home ownership is not only a great lifestyle. Home ownership is your foundation, and it's also your financial foundation. Because people who own homes look at it over the years, that home will, without any of your efforts, that home will increase in value. That has been proven out over the history of our country. So everybody wants to become a homeowner. And a big part of becoming a homeowner is finding the right realtor. Well, RP Funding is a mortgage company, but RP Funding also has everybody that applies for a loan go through a series of very simple, very friendly, very easy to fill out surveys. Well, along the way, everybody in the transaction is surveyed as to how good a job they did for the client. That includes the real estate agents on both sides of the transaction. So at the end of the day, RP Funding has come up with a great list of preferred real estate agents as graded by you. So if you would like to have that protected list, if you are going to buy a home in a certain area of town, we simply want you to call us and we will supply you with the names. And there's no obligation here, but we'll supply you with the name so you can act on it. Your name will not be sold. Your name will be private but we'll give you the names of some great real estate agents who have shown that they are above the task when it comes to customer satisfaction. They get all A's. They get all gold stars. 855-773-8634. 855-773-8634. Just simply when the person answers the phone, say, I would like to know where I can find a good realtor. And they'll put you in touch with one of our people that that is their assignment. All right. Let's move on with the show. Robert, a uh, recent Ask RP at thesavingthousands.com wants to know, I keep hearing these names, Fanny, Freddie, Jenny. What do they do? Who are these people? Asked the writer. All right. That's, that's actually a really good question. <laughs> I like that, Rob. Yeah. So here's how this works. Uh, you know, in, uh, and this is kind of crazy, but people think that banks make mortgages with the money they have in their, in their accounts. And they actually, yeah. they do not. All right. So the, the way it works is like where a bank is willing to make you a car loan, because a car loan has a five-year, you know, five-year life expectancy, sure. and what happens is, is you're paying down a car loan as you get into years like three, four, and five. The balances are low, right? So you start mm -hmm. off with a big balance, and then by year five, you're paid off. So years four and five, the balance is very, very low. So the thing that banks hate, that banks can't have, when the FDIC audits banks, one of the primary things they look at is what's called interest rate risk. Okay, so oh. here's what happens, Rob. So today we're not getting anything on our checking accounts, right? Amen. They're paying us point one 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 nothing on our checking accounts, right? Yeah. And so when you look at that, and you say, oh wow, the bank they'll give me a car loan at, at three point nine nine, you know, but that you know that's that's really low, but they can afford to because they're only paying me point one 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 on my checking account, right? right? So what happens if twelve months from now the economy has completely recovered? And now banks have to pay us four to five percent on our checking and on our savings accounts, right? Uh -huh. I mean, you remember a time, Rob, when oh, savings accounts were paying ten percent. And you got I mean, you got a little trinket with you, you got a yes. toaster. So, you know, we've we've been in this situation of stupid low interest rates for so long, a lot of people forget that there was a time when you could get five, six percent, four, five, six percent on a, a CD, on a money market, on a mm -hmm. on a savings account. So what happens is all of a sudden the bank has to pay you interest on your money. But guess what? That car loan they made four years ago it's still at 3.99% because they can't go back and renegotiate and change the interest rate, right? And so they would now be losing money. And so the idea is what banks are having to try to project is how long are rates going to be low, and they have to build an interest rate that pays them profits today but won't lose them very much money 
uh, when the, the loan is paying off. Ah. So that's very easy to do on a on a car loan because it's only a five-year loan, right? Mm-hmm. That's easy to do on a – that's why most credit cards are adjustable rates. So as the rates that's go right. up, the, the credit card can go up. So along comes the mortgage where consumers want a 30-year fixed rate mortgage. Anything could happen in 30 years. Guess what? Banks do not want to own – 30-year fixed-rate mortgages because bankers are scared to death that they could actually put their bank out of business if they made you a 30-year loan at 3.5%, and then all of a sudden rates in two years go to 4%, they would lose money for the next 28 years. Banks can't afford to do that. And so the solution was to create a bond-type clearinghouse for mortgages. And this is Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, and Jenny Mae. So what happens is even if you go to the biggest bank in the country— they are most likely not going to use their own money to make you that mortgage. Mm-hmm. They're going to turn around and they're going to securitize your mortgage through Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, or Ginny Mae. Now, during the boom, Wall Street got in on this game too. And Wall Street started securitizing mortgages. So a lot of people have mortgages that are not guaranteed by Fannie or Freddie or Jenny. Well, they're still mm-hmm. not being made with the bank's money. The bank was securitizing them through Wall Street instead of Fannie, Freddie, and Jenny. Well, that's all gone now because obviously Wall Street lost so much freaking money yeah. with the crisis that they're not interested in securitizing <laughs> mortgages anymore. But that's the important thing to understand is whether you come to RP Funding, a small lender like us, or you go to the biggest bank on the planet, the money you're being lent is not coming from that institution full, you know, for the full term. We use interim funding to make the loan, and then we turn around and we securitize it through Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, or Jenny Mae. So Fannie Mae, which is FNMA, stands for Federal National Mortgage Association. Their initials were FNMA. Their stock symbol is FNMA. And FNMA sounds like Fannie Mae. And that's where the name Fannie Mae came from. They actually at one point adopted that officially, F-A-N-N-I-E-M-A-E, when initially it was just FNMA, which seemed like Fannie Mae. Yeah. And then Freddie Mac, I don't really understand where the Freddie Mac came from. They're FHLMC. Federal Home Loan Mortgage Acceptance Corporation, and and I don't know how that turned into Freddie Mac, but it, but it did, right? Uh, so I, who knows, Freddie Mac, and so those are the, the two that that used to be private. They used to be actually traded on the stock exchange. They right? were profit for profit companies, but they had a government charter, so there was a government backstop that basically said if they ever failed, the government would step in and make good on their their notes and their debt, oh, which go. is what gave bond investors the 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 confidence to invest in those bonds and those mortgages at such low rates. And then Ginny May, GNMA, Government National Mortgage Association, has always been a government agency. It's actually run by HUD, which is uh, one of the cabinet members of the president is the secretary of HUD, yeah. and HUD runs Ginny May. So Ginny May has always been a government entity, where now Fannie and Freddie are because when they collapsed, the government took all their stock and put them into conservatorship, loaned the money to bail them out, has now been paid back, but is still taking the profits. Mm-hmm. So that that's what that is. So no yeah. matter where you get a mortgage, if you're getting a 30-year fixed-rate mortgage, there is a 98% chance that it will end up with Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, or Jenny Mae if it is below the conforming loan limit of $417,000. Now, there are a couple little credit unions that will do their own loans, but it's usually on adjustable mm. rate mortgages. Right. You know, they'll do a, a three-year adjustable or a five-year adjustable or a seven-year adjustable on their own. Right, but most banks and credit unions will not make a thirty-year fixed loan with their own money. They will only do it if they're securitizing through Fannie, Freddie, or Jenny. Did that? Did that answer it, Rob? Yeah, it really I mean, did. Is and there more I need to touch? Because again, this, well, to me, yeah. this is like this is like a second language. Like I, I speak <laughs> mortgage, right? So yeah. what? What? What about that? Maybe was, did I not explain or didn't make sense? What do you think? Well, one of the things you taught me also is, I guess, way back in agriculture days when a lot of the country was agriculture, USDA would give unbelievable loans to get farmland and stuff. Well, there still is USDA, but now it's not necessarily a farm loan, right? Yeah, so the, the idea is, so for Jenny May, Government National Mortgage mm-hmm. Association, uh, in order for Jenny May to securitize a mortgage in its charter, that loan has to be guaranteed by another government agency. Okay. And so originally, the Jenny May loans were all securitized, were all guaranteed by the Federal Housing Administration, FHA, another division of HUD. Well, then the Veterans Administration came along and said, well, we want to yeah. have a loan program to help veterans buy houses with no money down. And that's where the VA loan came from. So now Ginny May would securitize any loan that was guaranteed by FHA or VA. And then maybe, I don't know, maybe 20 years ago, the United States Department of Agriculture said, well, we want to get in on the game too. <laughs> what? Because we want to help people buy homes in rural areas to help support farming communities. And so the USDA got into the mortgage business as well. So today, if a loan is guaranteed or insured by either FHA, Federal Housing Administration, VA, Veterans Administration, or USDA, United States Department of Agriculture, we can put that loan into what's called a Jenny May pool, which is a Jenny May security. Now, there's only three, I think it's like 340 lenders in the country who are approved to actively issue Jenny May securities, and we are one of them here at RP Funding. That's right. So again, whether if you get an FHA loan from the biggest bank on the planet, 
or from RP funding, we are both directly securitizing that loan through Jenny May mm-hmm. in the exact same manner, and we get the exact same pricing. See, that's that's the thing. A lot oh. of people think, oh, well, the big bank, they got to be able to get money cheaper than you can, Robert. They can't. When we do a Jenny May security, we get paid the exact same price for that security. But guess what, Rob? I don't have layer upon layer upon layer of BS yeah. overhead and executives managing executives managing executives and 13 buildings in the same city with my name on them and wasted square footage everywhere and all this garbage that they have to deal with, which is how we, and plus the commissions, we always, you know, oh, yeah. what they pay in commissions is insane to me. I can't understand how they run a business paying that much out in commissions, but these big banks do. And that's why we're able to give such a better price, mm-hmm. no lender fees and everything we do at RP Funding. It all comes down to that relationship with Jenny, Fannie, and Freddie. If Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, and Jenny Mae didn't exist, I wouldn't be able to compete because a little company like me could not compete with the behemoth bank out there. Yeah. But I can because we all take our loans to the same clearinghouse, Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, and Jenny Mae. And because they're all government-sponsored enterprises, they won't let them give a better price to the big guy because uh-huh. they want it to be an even playing field of competition because those securitizing entities are supported by taxpayers. And taxpayers can't pick winners and losers. They can't give a big bank a better price than RP funding. It's, just, it's not American. It's not right. Mm-hmm. So they don't. So we can compete on a level playing field with those big banks because of Jenny May, Fannie Mae, and Freddie Mac. Mm-hmm. If you have further questions about Jenny, Freddie, Fannie, USDA, all that sort of thing, simply go to savingthousands.com. Look under articles, look under info modules, look under radio shows, and you'll probably find some recordings that are centered down on just that. They're kind of focused on just that question, Fannie, Freddie, and that. Matter of fact, I know that as you go down to radio shows, you will find a module that is exactly on that. For you see, Robert Palmer and I don't always do hour-long shows. We also invest time to put together 10-minute, 15-minute modules that people can access online, and those modules are specific to a certain topic. I mean, we may talk about four or five topics on a radio show, but we have a full hour. But we know that a lot of people would like to, you know, just kind of zoom in on a certain part of the economy, and we make that happen. Okay, Robert, as people are becoming empowered by you through all the things that you offer them, that means they're coming up with some money. They have more money left at the end of the week, the end of the month, the end of the year, and then they want to invest that money. But that, as you know, can open a whole other can of worms because those of us who are now becoming empowered, we now have some money. We want to put it to work for us. We want to use those funds to build wealth. Oh, there's a lot of scoundrels out there. There's a lot of financial monsters out there that just can't wait for people who are new to investing. They'll take our money. Absolutely. There's no way to escape it. There's no way out. You know, it's the it's the universal equalizer, right? But they don't know anything about it. And that that's it. That's the key. And, and so trust me, the, the guys getting rich, the big credit card companies, the big banks, the big insurance companies, the big investment companies, you know, they're all getting rich off of that lack of knowledge. Uh, you know, one of the other big things that we haven't really started touching on yet in the show that, that I want to talk about is is kind of where people can invest that money. Uh, and, you know, and in the past, uh, I think a, a lot of people you know, would, would kind of go toward mutual funds. And one of the problems I see with mutual funds is there's uh, the trader makes money by making moves, right? Mm-hmm. So that the, the fund manager will make a lot of decisions and move a lot of money around just to justify their higher fee. Uh, and so personally, one of the things I'm a fan of uh, is exchange traded funds. They're called ETFs. And so the, the idea is if you look at the, we've all heard of the S&P, right? The S&P 500. Right. And we track this every day. And, and so the idea between an exchange-traded fund is that you're actually investing in the entire S&P 500. Now, the S&P 500 is not something you can invest in. So what companies have done is they buy all of the underlying stocks that make up the S&P 500, and then you can buy that as an ETF. It's called an exchange-traded fund. And these have very, very low management fees. And, and so, again, you've got you've to remember the, the guy on the other side of the table is always trying to make money, right? Well, yeah. and, and this is where shopping around becomes so important and so, you know, when I go to shop around for my personal investments and I look at the management fees on a mutual fund and then I compare the management fees on an ETF, uh, an exchange traded fund, it's so much less because they're not making all these moves. They're not actively managing. The idea is stick it in the 500 companies that make up the S&P 500 and let it roll. And now when you hear every day, because it's funny when people talk about the market, well, how's the market doing today? They're usually talking about the Dow Jones or the S&P, or then, you know, they're, they're looking at the indexes. Right. But most people aren't invested in indexes. Most people are invested in individual stocks. And, and so 
when we talk about Rob, don't gamble with the essentials. What's that rule number eleven? I think don't, uh, 11 or twelve. Don't gamble with the essentials. And the idea there is that I want you to put your 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 initial money, your retirement account, and everything into this is number eleven. Perfect. Yeah. Uh, into safe into safe investments. And, and so I'm going to put ETFs, exchange traded funds, in there into that safe investment category. If it covers an entire index like the S and P 500, where we're not gambling on individual stocks. Uh, but again, all this comes down to education. All this comes down. A lot of people are either saying, well, you know, what's Robert talking about right now? This sounds foreign to me. Uh, it, it's not. It doesn't have to be. But it goes back to my point that the earlier in life we are taught about this stuff, the more comfortable we are with it. Uh, a great example in today's world is is iPhones and iPads and Androids and, and all the electronic gizmos we have. You will see four and five year old kids who are completely comfortable with a tablet, yep. with a smartphone, right? And then you will see people in their you know, 50s and 60s who are who can't. My, my mother is is technologically challenged, and I know I know she could do it, but she's got herself convinced that she can't, and so she, you know, she she couldn't figure out. We got the iHeart channel, and she couldn't figure out how to get the iHeart channel load. So she was gonna have one of her friends, who's younger and technologically smarter, come over and and, and teach her. I'm like, mom, you can figure this out. That you know, there's there's four and five year olds doing this all day long. It all comes down to comfort, and the earlier in life we are exposed to something, the more comfortable we get with it. Uh, the better we're going to be with that through our entire life. The kids who are playing around on smartphones at four and five today are never going to be afraid of technology, right? Mm. And, and and that's so important. And why are we not doing that with personal finance? Robert, you are on fire today. You are feeling it, man, giving everybody that financial empowerment, taking people from that zombie status to becoming financial ninjas. And I know that that makes people more assured in their lifetime. I wanted to give another look, if I can, to the savingthousands.com. I just saw some changes on the front page that I know can benefit our listeners. I just got about halfway down on the front page and I noticed some new stuff. I noticed that there is a great article and a radio show on don't gamble with the essentials. That's one of the rules, actually. Also, there's a new tab that you can hit on page one that says the mortgage guide. Check out our complete mortgage guide useful information from Robert Palmer on how to navigate the entire mortgage process. Also, you will find now another service that you can play back on demand. It's called Robert Palmer's Money Minute. These are money minutes that Robert features on a Tampa radio station, but they're now available at savingthousands.com. There's another great, great article put together, or series of articles actually, put together by our research staff, and that is the Financial Ninja Guide. How cool is that? And there's a great, great connection to the saving thousands on the iHeart Network. So that's just some of the stuff you'll find on page one. You'll also find um, some places where you can click through to articles. A zero credit card balance, does it help or does it hurt your credit? Refinancing your mortgage, saving money on your home. How to use credit cards to your advantage. These are all articles, folks. Or the real story about student loans and their impact that we talked about on today's show. Well, Robert, I got to tell you, we are having so much fun today. We're empowering everybody, and we have an Ask RP, and this is so important. We have a couple. They've saved up their down payment. They're about to go out and start applying for loans, but they were warned by the wife's father that they don't want to shop around for a mortgage, that if they shop around and have multiple credit hits, that that can actually hurt their overall credit score. This urban myth has been around for years, Robert. Can you tell us the truth? Yeah, this is what the guy Ooh. this is what the guy tells you who doesn't want you to realize that he has terrible rates and fees. <laughs> you know, and, and again, once upon a time, this this was, I will call it an error in the programming of the FICO algorithm. Because in their defense, what they thought was happening is they thought you were desperate for credit. Right. Oh, okay. And so like if I'm just call if I'm trying to get twenty new credit cards, you know, like say I know that I'm my plan is to file bankruptcy or I know <laughs> I'm about to lose my job. Right. Go. Like again, because the whole idea is they're trying to predict behavior. The whole point of FICO is to predict behavior. Mm -hmm. And everybody gets so hung up on that it judges you by your past, which is true. But the point of it, the point of the algorithm is, is to predict, predict your behavior. And so what would happen is if people knew they were about to get laid off or people knew they were going to file bankruptcy soon or people knew something was going wrong, maybe they just got you know diagnosed with a terminal illness and they don't mm. think they're going to live much longer. They would go out and get a whole bunch of credit cards and run them up and charge them up and then just keep all the stuff and file bankruptcy or live on the credit <laughs> cards and they lost their job. Like, it, this would happen. Mm -hmm. And so the idea was that if you're calling 20 different credit card companies trying to get new credit cards, it's because something bad's about to happen in your yeah. life and you know it, but nobody else knows it, and you're trying to load yourself up on credit cards. So they would reduce your credit score 
because of that, right? Well, that doesn't apply to mortgages. That doesn't apply to car loans. There were certain things that they realized that that did not apply to. And so it actually, it says on the FICO website that, that it doesn't work that way anymore. That when you have your credit pulled by multiple mortgage companies, uh, that you're not going to get your credit hit because they understand that smart consumers actually shop around, you know? Mm-hmm. So that that's the big thing. You know, shopping for a mortgage, shopping for a car loan is not going to hurt your credit like it used to. And the only people that are going to tell you it is, is someone who doesn't want you to shop around. Now, what kind of person doesn't want you to shop around? The person who benefits uh-huh. from you not knowing the truth, not understanding what mortgage rates really are, you know, they're going to take advantage of you by preventing you from shopping around. So I just pulled up myfico.com, Rob. Uh, there's a couple of uh, frequently asked questions on here about about what we're talking about. Yeah. So, you know, one it says is, does the formula treat all credit inquiries the same, right? And so this research indicates that FICO scores are more predictive when they treat loans that commonly involve rate shopping, such as a mortgage, auto, and student loan, in a different way. For these types of loans, FICO scores ignore inquiries made in the 30 days prior to the scoring. So if you find a home loan within 30 days, the inquiry won't affect your scores while you're shopping. In addition, FICO scores look on your credit report for rate shopping increase older than 30 days. If your FICO score finds some, your score will be considered increase that fall in a typical shopping period as just one inquiry. Okay, so older versions of FICO would only group them in a 14-day span. Now they're looking back 30 days, and if they see a bunch of them at once, they're still going to ignore them if they're past 30 days mm-hmm. because they know you were shopping for a loan. So that's the big thing. They want FICO wants you to rate shop. You know, and if you're looking for a mortgage, auto, or student loans, it may cause multiple interest requests your credit report. Even though you're looking for one loan to compensate for this, FICO scores ignore mortgage, auto, and student loan increase made in the 30 days prior to your scoring, right? This is all right on myfico.com. So it's actually under two sections. One's under does the formula treat all credit inquiries the same. It's also under what to know about rate shopping, right? They've also got some great tips on here about how to improve improve your FICO scores. And all that is on myfico.com under credit checks and inquiries. So, you know, again, you don't just have to take my word for it. It's right there. Mm -hmm. And and any company who tells you not to shop around, not to, don't talk to any of my competitors, right? (laughs) It's going to drop your credit score. Sure it is, buddy. You know, run, just know what that's all about. You know, and I I will promise you, no one here will ever tell you that. And if they do, I'll fire them on the spot. If I ever hear that one of my loan officers told somebody not to have their credit pulled by a competitor because it would drop their score because it's a big load of malarkey. Well, there you have it, folks. Malarkey. So, you know, you can hear some things around the water cooler. You can hear some things from your brother-in-law. But I tell you what, make sure that you verify information, especially when it comes to money. Because there's a lot of people who hear a lot of things. They may hear half of what somebody says on a late-night talk show. Maybe it's financial talk on a late-night talk show that is politically motivated. By now, you've got to know that many of the channels on TV, especially cable, that many of them take a political leaning when it comes to everything on their channel, especially economics. So as you hear information, run it through your filter. Check with the Saving Thousands Rules to Success because none of our shows, none of the information that comes out of the Robert Palmer family of companies has anything to do with politics. I mean, we're here for one reason only, and we love what we do. Imagine if your job was what we do. We come to work every day, And we're excited because you know what our job is? Our job is to take Robert's intellect, to take his knowledge, to take the lessons he learned in building these great financial companies that he has built. We just take those rules and we just put them out in ways that you can understand so you're empowered. So at the end of even the first day of listening to us, you're telling your friends, hey, never again will I get to a Wednesday and run out of money and wait for that Friday paycheck. No way. You're not going to run out of money before you run out of days. That is the entire purpose behind saving thousands. So right along with us each and every day, we can't wait to have you on the air again. Meanwhile, ask RP at savingthousands.com and you'll be saving thousands with Robert Palmer.